beautiful Christmas Eve Eve. Let's sing together. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Here we go. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to bed. It's great to come to church at Christmas and sing and be with family and be reminded of this whole season. What a reminder that all of history and um, 
So many prophecies led up to this precise moment in time when time stood still and the whole world held its breath. We adore you. This child, this king, fully God and fully man, you came for us, Emmanuel, God himself with us in the flesh to save the world. And we thank you and we praise you. And all the people said together, amen. Amen. Well, hey, gang, I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor here. Really glad you're here this evening with family and friends. And um, uh, we do this thing called the meet and greet here at church. So tell somebody around you, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, uh, something, whatever. See you in a minute. Thanks. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Good evening and Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Dan Davis, Senior Pastor here at Hope Island. Thank you for sharing your evening with us as we really gather together and draw our hearts to the manger as we think about Jesus Christ, his entrance into the world and how with that moment, everything changed. If you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you. Great to, to share this moment with you as well. I know a lot of times as Pastor Billy was saying, this is a time when family family comes together, and if you're uh, back from out of town, it's great to have you here as well. And so we really want you to enjoy uh, this time with us. You know, after this service, we are going to have, you know, coffee and hot chocolate out in the lobby. We've got some great picture spots, too, that we hope you take advantage of to really just make this a meaningful moment and memory for you and those that you came with. In a moment, we're going to continue our worship as we take up our annual Christmas outreach offering. This is an over and above, all for others offering that everything that's given to goes beyond the four walls of our church and ministers to people both locally and globally, which means halfway around the world and right down the streets. We've been doing this, this will be our 10th year, and over that course of time, Through your generosity, you have given over $1.3 million that has come in and gone out. So good on you, right? It has been amazing to see the good that has been done. You know, even this year, all throughout the Great Lakes Bay region, we have seen needs met through your giving through this fund and people who are part of our church to carry out that ministry. Even this month, this Christmas season. Several thousands of dollars have gone to individuals and families in need. Those are neighbors around us, right, who are hurting this Christmas season. Also, part of your giving goes to spread the joy of Jesus around the world. And heading into 2020, we have already identified five unique global mission projects that you're giving this Christmas will go to next year. As a matter of fact, we've put together a little video to tell you more about those projects, so take a look. At Hopevale, outreach is what we do to reach others for Christ beyond these walls, near and far. Part of our Christmas outreach offering meets distant needs, those beyond our nation's borders. When you give to the Christmas outreach offering, you will help fund five new Hopevale Global Projects. The SIL Translation Project serves 5 million unreached Muslims in a North African country. Your gift funds the completion of the translations of the Gospel of Mark and the Book of Acts and creates audio recordings so that these friends can hear God's Word in their native language for the very first time. Mission Next 
helps professionals and entrepreneurs find creative ways to reach countries and share their lives with unbelievers in places where missionaries are either illegal or severely restricted. Your gift provides needed new technology to match over 2,500 professionals with overseas missions opportunities. Your gift will help fund a recent Bay City College graduate to spend seven months in North Africa doing friendship evangelism and discipleship on a college campus under the guidance of CREW, the former Campus Crusade. Among the 23 million people in Mumbai, India, your gift can help change the perception among upper-class Brahmin that Christianity is a lower-class religion. Our project funds pre-evangelistic outreach events for artists, musicians, and filmmakers in Mumbai as part of a long-term strategy to change the hearts of the people who deeply influence Indian culture. Lastly, your gift will be used to help the Navigators build their first ever outreach center among the Gwalof people group. There are currently only 120 known believers among this Muslim population of over 6 million people. That is what your giving can do. It helps us invite people, both near and far, to know and follow Jesus. Boy, you see images like that, and you're reminded that there really is something when we sing joy to the world. And your gifts, whether big or small, whatever you're able to do, truly make a difference in the lives of people. Um, just want to say this as well. I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward. And as we uh, take up this offering, we realize we have visitors with us. If you'd like to participate, great, but don't feel like you're obligated as the plate passes by. You know, those who are part of our church family have been preparing for this moment. So whatever you choose to do, either way, is fine with us. I should also let you know, too, now through the end of the year, uh, giving to this offering is open, and you can do that online through our website, hopevale.org. Or if you text the word Hopevale to 77977, you can give through our mobile giving platform, which is easy to use and highly secure. You know, I have the privilege to talk about this every Christmas service every year, and I think as the years go on, we truly understand even deeper the words of Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than received. And I think many of us who've participated know that in a very real way. So with that in mind, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, thank you that we are gathered in this place at this time, this very special season, to drift our minds and direct our hearts upward to that very first Christmas when you, Jesus, entered our world and truly brought joy to not only this world, but joy to our world by living the life and dying the death that you were called to. And so for that, we're grateful. And we pray that in a very real way, each one of us would have a renewed sense of joy and hope and love because we have been in this place. Through the songs we sing, through the words we hear, that there would be a special mission to the message to the deep places of our hearts. And so that's our desire. And even as we give, Lord, we realize that's the spirit of Christmas, right? Those who have been entrusted with much share what we have to be a blessing to others and to help those in need. So God, as we give you this gift, 
we pray you would use it to touch lives near and far, the blessing of Jesus. And even, Lord, as we continue in worship and sing these songs, may you, may you be pleased. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand? Let's continue to lift our voices together.
just thank you for your goodness, God, for how great you are for us.
our prayer tonight. Let us feel that joy, the whole earth receiving the King that you gave to us, the joy of the angels singing in praise, the joy of the earth responding and rising to meet the gift that you gave us, the joy in that moment when Mary and Joseph saw their precious child for the first time and knew that their lives would be forever changed, that our lives, God, were forever changed. God, let us have that joy even when we're facing times of darkness. And God, let us have that joy, let us hear that praise even when there seems to be division and words of anger around us. And God, let us have that joy as the earth rises up even when we may stumble. God, thank you so much for that gift, your gift of joy in your son that holy night. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Shall see. 
okay? Now, imagine that you're all alone. It's really quiet. And kinda dark, but then... Lights. Loose. Full beat. So bright, you blink and jump back. That's when the angel Gabriel shows up to see Mary. Gabriel says, Don't be afraid. You're going to have a baby. God's son. Call him Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> well, right before Mary's about to have the baby, her and Joseph have to travel to a faraway town called Bethlehem. Picture the trip. You're riding on a donkey and the dust gets kicked up. When Mary and Joe finally get to Bethlehem, the whole town is so loud and crowded, there's no place for them. But at last, they find a room where the animals stay. It's kind of warm and cozy, even though the hay scratches and the place smells. Ugh. And then you hear the baby. A brand new baby. Baby Jesus is seeing the whole wide world for the very first time. Mary wraps Jesus up tight and lays him on soft hay in the cow's feeding trough. Sleep, my child, in peace, attending all through the night. Estrellita, donde estás? Puri, aquí, chaldo, chanda. Picture a big open field outside Bethlehem. Sheep everywhere, like big fluffy cotton balls. You gaze up at the deep, dark sky. Then light flashes and a huge, bright angel appears. The huge angel calls out, Don't be afraid! I've got good news. God sent a baby to save everyone. He's in Bethlehem. You'll find him wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And more and more angels appear. They're singing. Gloria a Dios a las alturas! Glory to God in the highest! <laughs> the shepherds race to find Jesus in Bethlehem. They're filled with so much joy that they have to go share. But they're not the only ones that show up. You look up high. There it is, the star. Kupiol. La estrella. These wise men have been following that star for months. Riding high on a camel's back. And it bumps and sways and Spits too. Ew. Ew. <laughs> and when they show up, they give him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Stuff you give a king. And just like the shepherds, the wise men get down and worship Jesus. This little kid who's actually God's son. This little kid who's come to save the whole wide world. You and me. Do you. Noranga. You and me. Okay, I, um... I've watched that video about a dozen times, and it still just, like, breaks me up. I mean, it is. And looking out at some of you, I see a few misty eyes as well. You know, there's just something so moving and so powerful about the essence of the Christmas story. And that the eternal, almighty, 
the Son of God, left the glories of heaven, took on flesh to become human like us, and entered our world as a helpless little infant named Jesus. That God came near to us so that we could draw near to him. And God became like us so that we could relate to him. See, that's the part of the video that really stands out to me. Watching these children in the video, right, so easily and so excitedly relate and connect to this story about a baby, an approachable, relatable baby. I mean, things would have been different had Jesus come to us as a mighty king, this intimidating grown-up, someone who would have been feared, not adored. Jesus could have come to us that way, and it probably would have been much easier for him to do so. But he didn't, because the story of Jesus is not about him doing what was easy. No, the story of Jesus from beginning to end is a story about him doing what was necessary to bring his hope to heal our hurts, even if it meant him humbling himself and becoming a child. You know, all throughout the month of December here at Hopevale, we've been going through a series called Good News, Great Joy. Good news, great joy. And those four words come to us from the Bible's account of what happened that night when Jesus was born, that a first century contemporary of Jesus by the name of Luke, a physician by trade, set out to write a historically accurate biography about Jesus from birth to death and everything in between and beyond. And so in the very early part of his biography, known as the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, Luke takes us to Bethlehem. And he tells us about Mary giving birth to Jesus. And then right after that, there's another scene that takes place not too far away. In verse 8, this is what Luke says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that causes great joy for all the people. There it is, good news, great joy for all the people, then and now, you and me. And what exactly is that good news? Verse 11, that today in the town of David, Bethlehem, right, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby, this Jesus, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, this approachable, relatable, non-threatening, joy-bringing baby. Verse 13, suddenly, a company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So that's what they did. The shepherds, they, they left their fields on the hillside. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus who was lying in the manger. Now picture that scene. Mary, Joseph, 
a baby and a bunch of guys. <laughs> a bunch of guys. Now, I don't know how it rolls in your house, but with most of the couples I know, there's a mom that we know who's just given birth to a baby. It's usually not the guy who's itching to make the visit, right? No, if anything, we're the ones who are kind of dragged along, right? Yeah. And so here they are, these first century shepherds. Like the equivalent of Western cowboys, men's men. All action, no talk, and yet there they are, right? Right before Mary. You can kind of picture them, right? Just kind of looking down at their sandals and trying to think about what to say. Uh, cute kid you got there, lady. You know, I. How long did it take you to pop that one out? You know, I don't know, right? I don't know what shepherds say. And I don't know why they have Brooklyn accent, why they're smoking cigarettes either. I don't know, right? <laughs> but the point is this, right? It's not the most natural setting for these guys, but you know what? They too connect with Jesus. They too relate to this baby. And so instead of just marking time and heading back to work, look what happens. Verse 17, with childlike amazement, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. God taps these most unlikely of messengers on the shoulders. And now with childlike joy, they are spreading the good news that a Savior has been born to us, this long-awaited promised Messiah. The everlasting king who is bringing the goodness of his heaven into the brokenness of our world. Good news, great joy for all the people. See, this is where the story of Jesus is headed. That this Jesus will grow up and he will teach true wisdom. He will love societal outcasts. He will confront corrupt authorities. He will perform amazing miracles. He will silence deadly storms. He will restore blind eyes. He will perform amazing miracles. He will feed starving masses. He will suffer personal rejection. He will endure horrific treatment. And all of this will lead up for this same Jesus dying sacrificially, cruelly, on a cross, in our place for our sins, and then three days later, miraculously, victoriously, rising from the grave. Why also that we, we, you, me, could experience the forgiveness we need and the joy we crave. The forgiveness we need and the joy we crave. See, this is the good news of great joy for all people. And it all began in the town of David on that starry night when a savior named Jesus was born to us. Born to us as this approachable, relatable, non-threatening, joy-bringing baby boy named Jesus. This is why we keep coming back year after year after year and celebrate the wonder of his birth. You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this good news that will cause great joy. While it is accessible to all, it is only accepted by some. This good news of great joy, it's accessible to everyone, but it's only accepted by some. So what's the difference? Why would some fling their arms wide open in acceptance while others would fold their arms, turn their backs in rejection and defiance? What's the difference? Well, 
The grown-up Jesus explained it this way. And this is recorded in another biographical book of his written by a friend, a disciple named Matthew. And that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, Matthew recalls this time when he and the other 11 disciples of Jesus had a clash of egos, right? Each one trying to prove they were better than the rest. And so Matthew tells that story. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, this is what he writes. He says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they're all kind of doing this, right? Thinking they've all got the better resume. Pick me, Jesus, pick me. But look what he does, verse two. Jesus doesn't answer the question. No, he calls a little child to him and places the child among them. And then he says, truly I tell you, unless you change, unless you change, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That unless you can get over your ego, unless you can truly humble yourself, this good news of great joy about my kingdom will never be yours. It'll never be yours. You won't want to receive it because you don't think you need it. So Jesus is saying, you know, stop being so childish and become more childlike. Verse 4. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now we know why Jesus had such a soft spot in his heart for children. Because compared to us as adults, children aren't so consumed with trying to prove they're better than everyone else as if that is the real source of joy and meaning and happiness and fulfillment in life. No, the pathway to great joy, Jesus says, is found in the lowly position of childlike humility. And got me thinking, you know, maybe some of the reasons that we're missing out on God's great joy is that we'd rather stay childish than become childlike. We'd rather stay childish than become childlike. It's the difference between knowing that God has given us everything versus thinking that everyone owes us something. (laughs) Going through life thinking everyone owes us something, you know, that's entitlement, right? And if we always have a sense of feeling entitled... We're always going to be disappointed. Disappointed with people, disappointed with God, and we're never going to see our need for the Savior who has come to us. So, you know, maybe this Christmas is the reminder, or maybe the wake-up call, to not be so childish and the invitation to become more childlike. Well, I'm thinking about this. My mind flashed back to earlier this year when a group of us from Hopel took a trip to Israel, and as part of that trip, for the first time ever, we got to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which now isn't so much a little town as it is a small city, but even still, when we were there, we got to visit two very special sites. The first is a place called the Shepherd's Field. The Shepherd's Field, it's the approximate location on a hillside where the story of the shepherds that we read is believed to have taken place. The second more in town, in Bethlehem, is known as the Church of the Nativity. The Church of Nativity, the site where Christians for centuries believe that Jesus was born. Now, unlike a modest stable, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem is a rather large and impressive building. As a matter of fact, here's a picture of our group approaching the church. It's pretty big, and you look at that wall on the right, it extends even way beyond the picture, right? It's this huge structure. But here's what's interesting when you visit 
the church of the nativity. That when you enter the building, you have to go through a doorway like this. That's the shaven me. And we're at this point, and to get in, you have to stoop down. To get in, you have to stoop down. You have to literally take a lowly position physically to step inside and to draw near. But it doesn't stop there. No, after you wait in a line that runs across the main sanctuary on the first floor, you then have to descend a series of stairs that look like these, right? And you go down these stairs, which leads you to a place in the the basement, if you will, where you then kneel down to a spot on the floor, a spot on the floor that commemorates the approximate location of where Jesus was born. Now, as wonderful as it is to actually visit Bethlehem, in this service and in this moment, I got to tell you that I think I'm even more moved when I think about this series of descents, these acts of humility, the stooping down it takes to get to the manger. I mean, think about it. Christmas begins with the ultimate act of stooping down, the eternal son of God, humbling himself and entering our world. But then our response of humbling ourselves and becoming like a child to meet this king, bowing before him and adoring him. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, when you change, become like little children, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll come to experience the joy that Jesus has for you now and forever. And so maybe this is the Christmas, this Christmas and beyond into the new year, that this is your time to stoop down before Jesus with a humble heart and childlike faith so that you too can experience this joy for yourself. We as a church would love to help you out with that. As a matter of fact, that's what this is all about, not just on Christmas, but all throughout the year. But now, you know, now is the time, this Christmas, this season, to know and to believe that message of great joy that the shepherds had 2,000 years ago because it's just as true today that a Savior has been born to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are in this place. We're singing these songs. We're hearing these words and we're reminded of this miraculous event that not only changed the course of human history, but can change our own lives if we're willing to let it. Some of us, Lord, I don't know, out of hurt, out of pain, out of fear, out of anxiety. Our arms are folded. We're standing straight up. We're too proud, we're too child-ish to receive what you came to bring us, Jesus. Lord, may we become more childlike because that's where we meet the God who came near. That's when we draw near to the one who became like us. And so God, my prayer for everyone here, including myself, 
is that we would not be closed off to the great joy that you have through us, wouldn't Jesus? But that every heart, every heart would prepare him room. This is our prayer. This is our desire. Thank you, Jesus, for drawing near. We pray in your name. Amen.
Friends, uh, we're almost done with our evening together, and concluding our night, we're going to sing Silent Night with some candles. So at the right side of each aisle, underneath you are some candles. We would love for you to uh, take those out and prepare to light those as we sing.
What a moment and what a way to end our service as we have come to worship Jesus Christ, Lord at thy birth, Lord in his life, Lord in his death, Lord in his resurrection, and Lord even now. So, uh, need a favor from you? Go ahead and turn off your candles. Have somebody in your row collect those and just hand them down, put them back in the box. We would really appreciate that for the next service. As I mentioned before, we have coffee and cocoa in the lobby as our gift to you after the service. Some great places as well to take some Christmas pictures. But as you go from here, thank you for being with us and may you have a merry and blessed Christmas. God bless you.